Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker. Somewhere in the Los Angeles area, following program is produced with a lackadaisical attitude by Magic Matt Allen. I am the legendary Burl Bear, or as our fact-checker Mark C.G. Boyer says, the imaginary. Diamonds may be a girl's best friend, uh, but if you're Harry Winston, it's more than your best friend. It's your livelihood. And when someone robs you of over $3 million in diamonds and precious gems, you say, thank God I've got insurance. What do they do if they steal another 40? Well, it's a good deal being robbed in the uh, diamond business. So when uh, Vanity Fair figured they wanted to go right to the source, you ask the horse to get the answer you endorse, you find yourself a pink panther. So, of course, they found ours. <laughs> it's just, yeah, he's there. Punch, punch, when they went looking for a diamond thief expert, of course, they called you. It was a fantastic article. Yeah, and, it really uh, is. Yeah, they, they talk, they talk, uh, you know, about me. Oh, about yeah, that's what makes it fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. I enjoyed it. I know you did, too. Oh, and, yeah, everyone who's uh, read the article is... Uh, Impressed with the, the the author's research work and finding the, the yeah. sources, and you provide uh, great color commentary on this uh, this Harry Winston heist. Uh, yeah, and now look at this. Not 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 too long. Uh, this was I'm holding a a cover of a New York Post. Uh, this was Tuesday, August twenty uh, seventh. It, uh, it said a carrot and a pickup in Diamond District, dressed to the nine millimeter. Mm. There you go. Yeah, and, uh, that's clever. You have a, a, a couple of guys that pulled off uh, another three, four million dollar heist, broad daylight Sunday, and they pulled it off and they got away with it, which is sensational. Uh, no, one, no one got hurt, and uh, I guess they followed all the, uh, the you know the pre notion the, the the steps that we uh, always were so careful of uh, you know acquiring, which was nobody gets hurt, right? Yeah, I noticed in the uh, Harry Winston robbery in Paris, the one that uh, Vanity. Oh Paris. no, 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 that was a little uh, aggressive. Yeah, and they, uh, but they did. They did only hit one guy in the head, and not that, not that hard, apparently. No, they also shook up a woman pretty hard, and uh, you know they scared her very much, and uh, they went in there. You know, when you have somebody in that position, you know the tables are turned, and what you say goes. People comply. Yeah. You know, they pay attention to what is coming out of the person's mouth that's robbing them. And uh, people are very careful, especially if there's firearms or something exhibited, right? Yeah, yeah you know, like, uh, what, what I'm saying is, you know, this is an instrument that's used, right, to, to instill fear. And uh, after you instill fear, if you use more violence, you know, you're 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 going overboard. You're doing that because maybe people like to do things like that. You know, or I don't know what. What I never I never had that problem or situation. I never hurt anyone ever, which is, uh, and, and 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 neither has my father, Mr. Stan. Right? Yeah. Well, that's the whole and, thing. The uh, gentleman thief doesn't hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but they did, you know, attach the Pink Panthers and the mannerisms and the way it was planned and the way it was executed. But what can I tell you? Like, you have a few bad apples, you know. Uh, well, you also, know, you, you mentioned in the article, and they, they stress yeah. this uh, more than most 
outlets, and that is that there's not really 600 people in a gang called the Pink Panthers. There's no structure. It's not a gang. There's not a boss. There's not a this. There's not a that. And a lot of these guys don't know they're working for the Pink Panthers. It's, you know, it's a... <laughs> you know, uh, independent exactly. contractors. Hey, Ralph, you want a job know. Saturday? Driving a car? You know, it's not like exactly. the boss says this. That's why they can't. Most of the people, yes, most of the people that did jobs like this, they don't even know that they were part of the Pink Panthers or a group or organized uh, anything. You know, um, that's just how it is. But I, I just love the way, you know, reporters and, uh, you know, how how they can get very colorful, you know, yeah. with uh, with the characters. And, and as I said, yes, there there was a lot of people involved, but people come and go, many years pass, people go to prison, uh, there was a lot arrested, many, many, many were arrested all throughout Europe. And, and uh, so, you know, when they put these numbers up, I guess, you know, I could visualize it and maybe, you know, it's possible. I mean, look how many heists uh, successful, successful, successful heists, you know, we accomplished, you know, compared to the Usually. Well, hopefully, yeah. That was, that was the target, you know, but... Uh, a lot of guys like with inside help. Yeah, well, sometimes the individuals, um, unfortunately, weren't insured, okay? Uh, that's not my problem, but I made it my problem, and that's why uh, we only did uh, continue to do high-stead, you know, people, uh, you know, businesses that were insured for tremendous amounts of money to make sure that they can recuperate their business within 7 to 14 days and retail. So See, that, They couldn't know, do that if they were selling their inventory. They couldn't sell all their inventory in 14 days. Yeah, you know, exactly. So, uh, you know, we were like angels from heaven, basically. Yeah, yeah. You Mark know. has a question I mean, for you. Think about it. Right on the microphone yeah. there, Mark. I had hey, Mark. a question on How what you, was being stolen. In your career, you targeted loose items that were easily transferable. Oh, you know, yeah. Diamonds, yeah. Well, in, naked diamonds, yeah. as an example. Here, they're robbing the store of iconic, known pieces that can only be sold to an uh, underground purchaser who can't show it off. I, I, I'm trying to, to wrap my head around, why would you target things to steal that can be traced? That's a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah, why, well, why, why rob something that's iconic? It's like you know, stealing the Mona Lisa. Who are you going to sell it to? They, they, they just stole a bowl that was made out of gold in some uh, castle in England or some, some place. They just took it right off, the, right off the pipes. I mean, you know, they caused a flood and everything. People, you know, uh, the curious, people will steal anything. If, if it's not bolted down, they will take it. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. Uh, Especially in a iffy economy, you know, uh, like, come on, there's thieves everywhere, you know, and uh, today I notice this more than ever because I'm not, I'm not a thief today, but I see what's going on, mm -hmm. you know, even in the, in the regular business community, you know, people steal, 
they, they're, they, you know, they, they have a, they just, I don't know what it is. There's a, a fascination with stealing. Uh, there's even more fascination with somebody that steals at night with a mask on their head and they're stealing uh, semi-precious and precious stones. Yeah, there's that, that uh, movie where they, what was it Michael Douglas and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones or somebody romancing the stone? No, that's my that's a different one. Oh, it's uh, a romance. Sean Connery. Connery. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah, we got the yeah. the suction cups on the feet oh, or whatever yeah, on the side of the window. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, yeah, her. She's hot. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Oh, Hollywood does phenomenal with with all these heist uh, movies, and you know, and and this is why, uh, you know, I I wanted to make my father happy and do what he did because he left a successful construction empire to be a full time thief. Like that's crazy. Yeah. You well, know, you a guy that you was enjoyed more. Galleries. Yeah, you know, that had that had uh, uh, that had clients with open checkbooks. And he left that for the excitement of stealing, and uh, it all happened in Manhattan. So you know that's why, hence you know the name Stealing Manhattan, mm -hmm. and uh, and why we you know we attach ourselves to this name. And uh, you know I'm just very happy that the people that are part of the project, you know they want to see this uh, fruit trade and, and, and flourish because it's it's just a, it's something that needs to be told, and uh, and I love it. The more we talk about it, the more I'm in love with it, and, and I'm, I'm in love with the people that that uh, have a fascination with the story. Well, it's a, it's a shows a compendium of incredible tales uh, that are remarkably true. I will I give people hints of of uh, what your career and your father's careers were like, uh, and the fact that your father never went to prison, never prosecuted, and actually, shall we say, got away with everything. Can't take it with him, but he got away with it. <laughs> Got away with everything. Oh my! I mean, like you know, yeah. Like what he did was something that uh, any person would dream of, like wanting to do or accomplish. He got away with it, and, and for he, he did it for so many years. And uh, See, what I find really fascinating about this punch is that there yeah. is a well-known factor in criminality <clears throat> called criminal pride. And one of the best examples is, let's say someone who was doing what your dad did or someone doing bank right. robbery. That is, they plan it out in meticulous detail, account for everything, right? And it works perfectly. They do it again. They do it again. But after a while, every time they do it, there's less planning, less preparation, because they start to think that somehow it's them that's making it all work out. And not the facilitating fact. it, yeah. Yeah, right, and, right. and so they wind up undoing themselves because they stop doing the planning, they stop doing the detail work. They just criminal pride. They think it's them. You know, that they're like they're like magic. Well, listen, when I when I went to when I got arrested by Joe Keenan, right? Yeah. Um when I got arrested by this uh, major case squad detective that was a specialist for art and you know for stolen art and for uh, guys that bust open vaults and, uh, and safes right mm. now this guy was after me and i bumped into him downstairs in the jewelry office that we that we owned uh, you know we had uh, we were on the fifth floor on the top floor of this um little building right and uh joe keenan and his partner bumps right into me mm. you know Dude, and he's I walking there. out of the building i'm walking in this guy arrests me he arrested me because he was such a good cop. He was such a sensational cop. You know, this guy, he had a, a criminal mentality. And he remembered, he remembered because I had the vest on 
that uh, when I infiltrated Home Security and Wells Fargo and these companies, I had this vest uh, that, oh, by the way, yeah, I put blackface on, by the way, just like the Canadian president, you know, but I was robbing people. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, yeah, they had me. And imagine, yeah, I'm in blackface, right? And I have a hat on and, and this vest, and you remember the vest, and he nabs me. He grabs me for this, and, and, and he got me. There you go, Major K Squad nailed me. They got, they got the son of the creator of the Pink Panthers, you know, the underboss, uh -huh. the kid that took over everything. And when everything got sloppy, that's when I went to prison because these guys got so comfortable that I, that I took over and I started planning everything and finding the heist and executing them and finding guys to work on them and getting crews together. And I was this, like, uh, connector to... Um, this uh, subterranean network of criminals in New York that were part of the security team. Right. You know, that were, that were working for Home Security and Wells Fargo. And I was this, this uh, like, I don't know, breath of fresh air when it comes to crime. And this was epic uh, that I brought this connection to my father and we turned this into, well, you know what it turned into, 10 heights that were um, $100 million each. Right. So a billion dollars, basically. That's the biggest mega heist in history. Yeah, like, now, nothing has ever even been written in that capacity. Uh, but we did it, and we accomplished And I was on eight of those. And uh, because I went to prison, I was one of the only ones that went to prison. And uh, if I opened my mouth, there would have been 300 people in prison. Yeah. And I would have destroyed so many families if I opened my mouth. You know? So, you know, there you go. I, I did it the hard way. I did all my time. And I came home with no deals from the feds or anything like that. I did day for day. And uh, it wasn't easy, but I survived that. I survived that because you know, humans are amazing people. And, uh, you know, all I'm saying is this, that if, if, if we had... Uh, a few people that were accomplishing big things that, you know, the authorities, they could not imagine. They couldn't fathom, you know, these heists. Like, they didn't know who was doing it. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how we were doing it. They didn't know. It, it was just, it was so complicated. It was so complicated for them to figure this out. And, uh, you know, thanks to Mr. Stan, my dad, you know, this guy is, is uh, amazing, a, a genius when it comes to... Uh, crime and criminality so there you go well we still have one guy left right we still got the moth yeah that's that's part of us uh nice and guy. Uh, everybody else is dead basically they all oh i knew i wanted to ask like, you a question about the moth here yeah maybe he's listening hi there how you doing Alice? uh <laughs> <laughs> they can't yeah. figure out i know i know i know Leia cake is listening i know uh not travis my my dudes from dallas i know uh and joe things i know they're listening all right, uh, now, this Harry Winston thing. You go, how yeah, did that come happen? on, let's talk about that. They said, they said well, where, how'd they get in? Where'd the keys come from? How could they possibly get in? Well, one thing I know about the moth is he could get in anywhere. You needed yeah. keys to any place he could get them. And he had his right. own inventions for, for, for how to do it. Brilliant. We had, we had a, a few inventions that he created that uh, were, you know, UL, the certification that goes behind every vault and every tumbler. 
uh, this company, this UL, you know, this is yeah, uh, Underwriters Laboratories. Under, under, underwriter, yeah, Underwriter, whatever, Laboratories. Right. Underwriter Laboratories. Well, these guys, they manage and they, you know, they're the head of all this. So uh, we wanted to bring the system to open any vault door. And he had it. He had it. He, he made it. And for you to make something like that, you have to be a genius. Right. Because it's, it's not, it's a complex it's not, a, you know, these are very uh, hard components, and they're very small. They're like watch fragments, you know, and uh, you have to be so precise with when it comes to these, you know, safes and vaults, and uh, practically semi-genius. That's yeah, I was, I was online with him one day with the moth, and he shows yeah. me this device he had. It looked like a toothbrush, <laughs> like a little toothbrush. It could decipher any lock in the universe, bam. And I said, did you get a patent on that? He says, right, I'm going to go tell him what I got. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. He, I mean, I remember him, uh, you know, teaching me these things. <laughs> when I was like seven years old. And, uh, you know, since then I had this fascination with, with the mall, you know, with Alex. And uh, he wanted to make me into a musician. And I just did not have, I did not have what it took to be a musician. I, I was a more an artist you know, to draw and paint, which is what I do today, thank God. And, uh, and uh, by the way, Burl Bear, your, your uh, sketches, they're on their way. You'll have them in two weeks, okay? Oh, all right. I'm proclaiming this right now on live air, so, <laughs> so you know. Uh, and, and what I'm saying is that everybody came from such an artistic background. You know, you have my mother, my father, Alex, uh, Montenegro. All these guys, they were designers, they were developers, they were, they were engineers. And, oh, there's also one Pink Panther left in Europe. His name is The Engineer. The and engineer. Uh, his health is not, is, is going south. So, uh, you know, we don't really have too much time on that. But that's, uh, you know, if you want the European stuff, which is phenomenal, which, which comes out of ours, which comes after our stuff in New York, is, uh, I mean, it's traditional Pink Panther stuff. And if anybody wants it, we're the only ones that have it. And, uh, you know, I implore people to, I mean, they can't go anywhere. You know, whatever was made previously was made with, you know, it wasn't uh, factual. The only factual evidence that they have about any of these guys or any people, because these people have faces and they have characters to them. And I always raised with these guys and I know them like my, 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 my brothers and sisters because I was real as my family, you see? Mm -hmm. And I was the highest, youngest ranking member in the Pink Panthers or the Yaks, or the Bypass Crew, Hole in the Wall Gang, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But we were doing it. And, uh, you know, it was just, I miss those times. I miss the old New York. Yeah, well, you know, the, I really do. The, uh, the, the mind has an amazing ability to, uh, you only remember the best parts. <laughs> you know what of I mean? course. Well, well, we had a lot of best parts. That, that's, that's what made this so amazing. You know, if we're doing 300 successful heists, each one is a best part, you know, because each heist that I did was a, like a retirement job, you know, a few million dollars. And in those, you know, in the 80s and 90s, uh, we were, I mean, I, I didn't see anybody else with that capacity, you know, that was throwing around or generating those numbers. You know, before. It's too bad you didn't take some of those millions and put them in a real bank. So when you got, when you got out, you still had it. I did, I did, but I spent that too. I mean, oh. you know, uh, I did. I had it all, man. I'm telling you. Listen, I had a necklace that was, uh, I don't know, a thousand carats, and uh, the middle stone was a 23 or 32 carat middle stone that you know that I sold and chopped up, and I had for years, for years. 
And uh, nobody ever came for me. Statue of limitations expired and ran out. And I wasn't going to, uh, you know, help anybody close any right. of these cases because I was in them, you know. But the chances of me going back to prison, you know, on, on these old heists was like almost impossible, mm -hmm. you know, because they were so old. You know, we're talking about in the 90s, you know, basically, 94. Those were the last big, big heists that we did. Um, everything after that, they were also sensational. But statute of limitations also expired for that. That was the second wave when I came out of prison, which was unbelievable. And uh, I believe the mall, he stops uh, like in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. That's when his story stops. But mine picks up, and it carries all the way through what year, bro? 2003. 2000 what? Three. Three. Uh, 2003, 2000. Yeah, we could do like up to 2007, 8, you know, 9, uh -huh. maybe, you know? Uh, because even if I was inside, things were still happening outside, and that's because people were getting deported, and a lot of my friends, like Borco, which uh, he happened to, they said it was a suicide in Dubai prison. I don't believe it. The kid had a deal with Leonardo DiCaprio to make movies. He's the guy that, that did the Dubai heist with the cars. Mm, famous. That was epic, beyond epic. With the, he had Audis, and he went into the mall, and something like that recently happened not too long ago somewhere in America, uh, I think a few days ago, I seen some situation, but it wasn't a heist or anything like that. I think it was a crazy person. Yeah. Which reminds me to say, on live radio, mental health is, is a very important issue, and we mm -hmm. need to talk about it. Am I correct? Yeah, because I got mental health problems. After all, I'm in radio. Well, I think we all, <laughs> we all do. We're all affected with it. You know, I mean, everybody has a, a certain level. Of, uh, of mental health, and if it affects them in a the wrong day or so, you know, people, you know, um, I seen people cross that other line, man, which is uh -huh. crazy. But uh, what I'm saying is, we need to, we need to do the right thing. Am I right? We need right. to do the right thing and be the people that we're supposed to be. That yeah, you agree? Yeah, I'm joking. And that's phenomenal. Guys making movies, right? And doing epic things. So, as I said, I'm living the dream. And I know anyone that's attached to me is also living the dream. It's not the same dream. They're living their dream, but we're living it together. And I tell everyone that, you know, uh, if, we, if we unite together, we can do phenomenal things. Oh, that's absolutely true. There's a power in unity, not uniformity. But unity. Like take a high crew is a perfect example, or a movie crew, very similar. You have specialists, people who well, are... Well, a high crew, yeah. I love when you say a high crew, because you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's... Uh, you if, have... You have, if you have a few people, four, five, six people, moving in the right direction, doing the same uh, deeds, accomplishing the same goals, you can do anything. Like, there's so much that can be done. But on a positive level, you know... Um, that's why I love I movies. Know, like, <laughs> that's why I missed old New York. Yeah, it was rugged. It was ruthless. You know, people were getting shot and robbed and stabbed and yeah. ambulances all over the place. And I mean, it was it was just it was like the wild wild west. Yeah, but, but that's not pleasant. We don't want people it. being stabbed all over the place. That's not fun no, for of them. course not. But what I'm saying is like there was a listen. Listen, there's, today there's a, there's an element of people. You know, look, a lot of people are telling on on people. There's this 
case going on with this rapper from Bushwick that's that's uh, already four days on, a, on a, doing testimony, you know, and uh, it's just sad that that uh, people are subjected to that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, we don't need that. Like, you know, that's all negativity and, you know, uh, what I'm saying is that's why I got away from crime and criminality because I didn't see any good people. Remember when I was in prison and I was looking for criminals and I couldn't find any? Yeah. And I met a couple of mobsters, you know, but they needed my help more than I needed their help, you know? Right. And that's when I seen, I was like, oh, my God, like, what am I involved in? Like, you know, I need to change my life because... Yeah, you know, by the you know, company you keep, and the company you keep wasn't that good a company. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I was not cut from that cloth, you know, and I was looking for for my flock, you know, for people that wanted to do heist, that wanted to steal. And all I found was just a bunch of drug addicts and, you know, just like sad people, man, you know, like doing sad shit. And it, pardon me, but you know what I mean? Like in prison, and I've been in so many prisons, right? So I just didn't find that. You know, I didn't find that. You know, I thought, oh, maybe in prison I'll find and I and I, yeah, I bumped heads with a couple of big guys, and there's only a handful. There's only a handful of good guys there, you know. And uh, you know, I, I just wish them all the best. Well, I'll tell but, you uh, one thing that I have repeatedly said to uh, career criminals, that? which usually means that they didn't have much of a career because they were in prison most of the time. And that is, yeah. your rap sheet is not a resume of your accomplishments; it's a list of your failures. Exactly right, and and mine is too long to list. Too long to list. It's like uh, an embarrassment. I'm embarrassed, you know. And, and thank God I never did any ugly stuff, you know. And I always, you know, I can look in the mirror and and, uh, and hold my head high, you know, because. But it's just very sad the way, you know, I was looking for like, you know, a family or people, whatever. And, and thank God, thank God that I turned away from from a life of crime. And today I'm a civilian, which is feels amazing, you know. And I'm above water, which is. I can't explain the feeling. It's like I came out of prison again. <laughs> and how many years did I do, what? bro? How many years of prison did I do altogether? Do you remember uh, correctly? Sixteen. That's right, sixteen. So it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. You know. You could have done six months, you fool. Why did you do sixteen years? Exactly. You had six I months. Six months. Six months, and I would have been out. Six but no, you had to get in a big fight with some Albanians uh, or something. And I just can't believe it. Like, hey, and, and then I survived prison, which was crazy. And that's another story unto itself. And that can never define me, you know. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just amazing that I, that, I, that I made it out of there, you know. So, uh, well, no, I don't think it's that amazing you made it out of there. When you consider the fact that you, you were already in great physical shape when you went in. You've been taught how to box since you were, what, five, six years old. You knew all the martial arts. You were taught by an Olympic medalist uh, in martial arts. And so uh, some street fighting, brawling guy, and you knew how to do that too, is going to pick on you, going to pick a fight with you, he's going to lose. Because who else yeah, in I'm there had the degree of training you had? I was going to you a long time ago, but I like the way it was sounding, so I had to let you talk because yeah. it sounded really nice. I like yeah. that. You know? But in all truth, in all reality, listen, a little piece of steel... That's like four inches long, sharpened in the end, you know, uh, that has a little handle. It could uh, surprise somebody in their neck. And by the time the ambulance comes to sew you up, you're going to be dead. Mm -hmm. You're going to be dead. You're not going to make it. You see, that's the thing. You see, you never know who's going to get you. Uh, you never know. Listen, there was people that were 730. What does that mean? What does that mean? People that are on the flight deck. 730 means when the crazies get their medication. 
So we call anybody that gets their medication at 7.30, 7.30, meaning they're nuts. Right. Because that's when they hand, hand out the, the bug out, med you know, the, the crazy medication for the crazy people. Now, this guy is protected by laws. He could smash you in the face with a rock and cut you with a razor and, uh, and violate you in every possible way, and he's not going to get charged because he's protected by these laws that he's insane. And they are subjugated. I mean, they're put in prison because they closed down all these mental institutions. And as I said, it's a broken system. Mm -hmm. We need to advocate to fix the system uh, because it's not what they think it is. You know, it's not a bunch of criminals. It's a bunch of people that need jobs and need help, need guidance. That's it. You know, and uh, I was part of uh, reforming the system with RTA. That's rehabilitation through the arts. Just I was getting into too many trouble. I was getting into too much trouble. I mean. I was the type of guy that uh, the first day I hit a compound, they dropped like two, three hundred slips on me. Mm. All right, and that was constantly. So it was very hard for me to, you know, to help people when people are against me. You know, and like I'm the enemy. I'm not the enemy. I never been anybody's enemy. I don't have enemies. And anybody that thinks I'm an enemy, they're an enemy to themselves and That's people right. around them. You know, I became unoffendable. Why? I mean, how many lives do I have to live? to prove myself or to know something, to be an expert, a specialist, all right? I'm an expert at this stuff. And it's called life. Well, if you, know, you it's a proven really, fact, do you take I mean, anybody, anybody, Punch? There's so many phonies out there, I challenge them all. I didn't even start pulling cards because, you know, that's not my, that's not what I do anymore. But, you know, what do you think? I don't get upset when I see phonies. I don't like phonies, you know? I don't like fraudsters. Guys that are perpetrating the fraud bothers me. You know, turns my stomach. The world. You know, so that, that's all. <laughs> it, it, it's just that you know, people with an agenda uh, are people that are very dangerous, and uh, that's why I'm an artist today because I make and create, right? Opposed to destroy, and I only surround myself with artists. So if you're not an artist, you're not going to be in my circle. Point blank. I mean, it's that simple. You see. And uh, and I just love people that want to move forward and that want to do good. And uh, what do you think? I don't get solicited to do heist all the time? Are you kidding me? I was going to ask you that. Do you get solicited to do heist all the time? Oh, my God. By every agency in the world, okay? So, well, you get a it's phone incredible. call? What, do they it's call incredible. you on the phone and ask if you want to plan a heist? No, you, I, get, I get magazine offers daily. All right? Paid magazine offers daily. I get offers to get flown in G7s and 8s all around, wherever, you know, to uh, give interviews and to, uh, or to sell my rights. So I'm not interested. I'm not interested. I keep my circle very small. People that want to reach out to me, they know how to get to me, and that's it. It's very simple. And today, I would take simplicity over chaos any day. Oh, yeah. People, would, people they don't understand how beautiful it is to be an artist but to have an anonymity, like, you know, for people not to know me, do you understand? But I'm doing big things, right? Mm. But people don't know me, which is even better, which is a blessing. And that's what I love more than anything. Well, by the time around, I'm done with you, you're going to need a few aliases, pal, because you're going to be too famous. No, but we still, no, we still, listen, we're, we're, that, that, the person that we're speaking about is a movie character. That's Punch. That's a guy that used to be a criminal. They used to have shady ways. And that was from the gutter. I learned from people that were from the gutter. And, you know, I had mentors from all sources and walks of life. That's what makes the story so interesting.
and uh, that's not really what I wanted to be, but I became that to appease my greatest mentor, which was Mr. Stan, my dad, my father, and he was the boss of bosses. No joke, the guy, the guy was no joke. I love him, I love him to death. I just wish he was a greater father, you know? And that's not what he was cut out to be. He, uh, he has three, two other sons, Alex Olmsted is his uh, son, and uh, Nikola, I don't know, is even, uh, what, Stanimirovich, I guess. So he has, I have two other brothers. Uh, one of them, own a, they own an agency in uh, Brooklyn called Good Versus Evil. It's an advertising agency. Guy's an artist, just like how his mother was, and just like how my mother was. Mm-hmm. Hence, mother artist, father artist. Uh, listen, I want to take a, I just want to take some time and give a shout out to uh, my guy, my ace, uh, Sean Sullivan, Lay a Cake, New York. Oh, the hell of a guy. Uh, Peter Tuchman, Einstein, and uh, Harrison Lobel. That's, those are my guys. That's my New York guys. And everybody else that I missed, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, it costs me a lot every time I say a name on, this, on, this, on there, right? <laughs> so, uh, listen, how, 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 have we, uh, how have we progressed forward? Um, you know, I know it's a sad house there, but we got to keep it moving, you know? And uh, I know, I, I don't know if this is appropriate for me to say, but I love and miss Howard, and I feel like he's with me, and he's guiding me. Yeah, I, because I believe Because he would it. want, I just, I just missed that, I just wanted him to read the article, you know? Yeah, So it's a dangerous job being my co-host, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, well, you see, Frank's not there. You know, Frank's yeah. not there. He's uh, he's smart, but he, he will be there soon. And, yeah, uh, yeah he had to go to Washington D.C. on a bus or yeah. under a bus, one of the two. Oh, who else? Daniel Daniel Jenis. He's speaking Yale, I believe. Yeah, right? isn't that amazing? Today? Daniel Jenis, another uh, resident uh, member of the True Crime Club here at Hell Radio. Uh, the, uh, yeah, Daniel was definitely attached to me. He was with me in Greenhaven, and he knows. What was going on in Greenhaven, and, and uh, he experienced yeah. um, uh, the, the big shock big of the prison. big shock of Daniel's life is he made this uh, uh, delicious uh, cream cheese. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, cheesecakes. Yeah, that yeah. Was, oh my God, it was fantastic. And yeah. it was pitch dark <laughs> in the room because we're watching this movie together, right, in my living room. And he brings yeah. me the cheesecake, and I start eating it. And when the lights came up, the entire cheesecake was gone. I ate the whole thing. That's the highlight of yeah, man. So, <laughs> seeing me eat that entire cheesecake. But God, Better than Joey Reynolds. It was really good. And it yeah, was- everything, everything that you eat that a prisoner or convict made is, is pretty... It's, 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 it's amazing. Uh, it's going to... Uh, your dance bud, I mean, your your your, uh, your taste buds are going to dance around. And, uh, yeah, we do I'm have sure some. sure it's better than the recipes. institutional food they feed you in there. Oh, yeah, you can't, yeah, I, we, you know, everyone that experiences uh, a, a long stint uh, behind the wall will tell you that cooking, uh, you know, you learn fast. You'll get a hot pot or a stinger, and you'll learn how to make something. The first uh, recipes are probably something to do with ramen noodles uh-huh. and then you could you know you could alter that and then create different things by putting you know corn chips or whatever else in it and <laughs> and uh, some type of uh, a protein base right but all I'm saying is convicts you know they're, they're, they're very creative the, the stuff that I've seen 
I can't. I mean, I wish they had a channel that <laughs> we can talk about this stuff because it's it's just amazing the lengths and I mean the patience that 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 it takes to get like a, a string across. Uh, I don't know. I can't even explain the length, like a football field, for example, a string mm -hmm. to get across a football field with just like a, a piece of paper at the end of it. And so we can attach uh, messages and we can send kites and, uh, you know, send things to people that can get to certain things because they're, for example, they're locked up, you know, like when I was in the box, uh, that's SHU, uh, solitary confinement. You're incarcerated 24 hours a day and they let you out in the balcony for like an hour or two hours a day. That's it. You know, if you have a bunkie, you get two hours. If, you, if you're by yourself, you get one hour. And these are these new institutions that they build. Um, and they're, they're called SHU 2000 boxes, I believe. And um, actual inmates built them, you know. And a lot of uh, the factories and the factory work that was done inside, for example, my job was asbestos. Uh, I should do asbestos maintenance. So I had level four clearance. And that's what I did in Greenhaven, is to go underneath the prison and inspect the pipes and build decons and, and all that stuff. But I had the connection from the street. Those guys that were giving the test, those were my guys uh -huh. from, from, from our companies from New York. They used to come in. So, so you, uh, That's the nice thing about having friends in high places and friends in low places. Well, you know what? There was I, I still have I still have a, a blade that I sent uh, to my uh, to my mom for safekeeping, and I put it in my Timberland boot, and it's one of these uh, shanks. Well, it was actual a K bar, with, without a handle that was slipped underneath uh, a cell door when uh, somebody found out that I was going to get stabbed in the yard by by a couple of bones, right? And uh, this this came from an officer. He he slid it underneath my door. Was he and framing you? No, he wasn't framing me. He was uh, giving me something to protect myself. Oh, I see. Okay. Which was, you know, and uh, and this guy was a Marine, you know, and uh, I don't know. I think he thought I was maybe you know in the Marine Corps or something, whatever. Because I said Semper Fi to him once or whatever, you know, and uh, yeah, he gave me a cable. I mean, a real Marine knife, like that was flat, that slid underneath, and I have it. Because I sent my Timberlands home, and that was in it. I put that on inside, sent the package from uh, from inside the box, and uh, and that's how I got that out. I, I used to smuggle stuff out of prison all the time. I have tapes, and uh, like prison tapes when you have a hearing inside prison, and and I also have a lot of the uh, the tapes that go inside the typewriters, ah. uh, which is. Which is so historical, because do you know how much evidence that holds, right? The, the tape, you know, the, uh, yeah, the typewriter, ribbon, the typewriter, typewriter ribbon. ribbon. Yes, yes, there you go, there you go. And that's, that's, that's like, oh my God. Like, that's something, that's a, we didn't even get to that point yet. But there's so much going on. And you, you got to leave that stuff to the Smithsonian Institute or something. Yeah, well, that, that's why I left all the high stuff. I don't want to include, you know, the prison uh, life with the heist because it, it like damages it you know yeah. you know you understand what i mean it tarnishes the amazing heist uh stories we don't want to include ugly prison stories right yeah. so that's separate and i'm glad that we kept it separate and it's done like that for a reason and uh i'm just like you know i, I I'm, I'm just happy to be here and i'm happy that 
that you guys still believe in me and and that we're still pressing forward, which is important, right? Right. Well, you got to keep you got to keep moving so you're alive, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's people that that are that are moving, you know, that are they're actually strengthening our ability and wanting to see the ball move forward, you know. And I'm very grateful for these people, you know, the people that are giving me an opportunity and a chance that would never do that before. Am I right or wrong? You know, being yeah, a well, you're right, because a lot of times, I mean, because the atmosphere that you and your father and the moth, etc., moved in is a rarefied atmosphere. You're not a bunch of pasta-stuffed thugs, you know, beating people up on the corner, uh, doing, you know, that's not, that's not you guys. But no. uh, the majority of, shall we say, career, in quotes, criminals are just guys who don't know how to do anything else and think it's cool that they're crooked. You know, yeah. and that's what I've seen, and that's what you saw when you went to prison. There were no real criminals in prison. There was just a bunch you of know, losers and victims. Unfortunate, unfortunate, because that's you know, as I said, I, I gravitate towards criminals, guys that are that want to uh, make a buck with their mind. And uh, you know, wherever I landed in any prison, I was very comfortable because I was making moves that generated other moves, and I was uh, I was a pleasure to be around. You know, because. We would get perks. We would get things that normally people wouldn't get in prison. And, uh, for example, like when I was in the feds, uh, Joe Watts, this uh, friend of Gotti's, he, he was, he was uh, spending 10 grand a day on lobsters and Chinese food and sandwiches and vodka, you know, just to, be, to feel a little normal. Mm-hmm. You, do you understand? Because, you know, when you, when you go through, like, a holding area in MCC or MDC, uh, there's no... Really, the commissary, you know, is very poor, and the quality of food is very poor, but you're looking at Chinese restaurants outside your window mm-hmm. that you probably own, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, and pizzerias, because right down the block, and it's like, yeah, yo, more, you know, and they, you know, they, they call, they get me, right, to talk to the guard and to see if the, the hack's going to take 10 Gs, you know, in his, in his account, like a Western Union or something like that, and I would facilitate that so it wouldn't go back to to the person that's paying for it, you know, because uh, even though I had a lot of money in cash, still, you know, uh, there was guys that had bigger money because they were involved. There's always uh, somebody who's got more money. There's already somebody better looking. There's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody. Always. 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 And this is something I tell everybody. Um, I always like to drop a jewel. You know, know, the word that bugs me, you know which word that is. It's try, to try. Try caviar, try champagne. Don't try to get up, okay? Because you have to get up. You know, there's no possible way. Do, can you get up? Do you try to get up? No. Just do it. Yeah, Yoda you know, says of, there is no try. <laughs> uses this poisonous word because it gives you an option out. You know, I, I tried. You know, I tried. And, like, it gives you a, 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 you know, like, it's okay to fail. No, it's not. Not in our world. If I failed, I would have I would have visited prison way more. But the reason why I visited prison in the first place is because I was a knucklehead, and I was surrounded by other knuckleheads, and I had it better than them. And there's a lot of jealousy that goes around everywhere I ever went. And I was always uh, gracious and always giving and courteous. And uh, I'm not going to say I tried to be a gentleman. I was a gentleman. You see what I mean? You see the difference? Yeah. You know, there's a convict. And then there's an inmate. I was never an inmate. I was always a convict. And that's, that's the difference. What's you the know? difference between an inmate and a convict? Well, an inmate, you comply to everything, to all the rules and regulations. I was breaking every rule and regulation. Every, 
I've been to the box uh, in every in every prison that I visited. I visited the box too, meaning I'm a convict. You know, I get I go to box. I, I haven't returned. You know, uh, solitary confinement <laughs> because I'm I don't comply with the rules and regulations. That's a convict. We have our own rules and regulations. Now, who said who who set, set that up? Who's in charge of that? Oh, well, I'm not going to speak on that. No, you I don't know, mean the real name. I mean, that. you know, to me, that's an artificial structure. I mean, at well, least we... you know, there's, listen, there's a group of guys in there that they have a, they have a lot of time, and uh, they've been in there a long time, and they made it their home and house, and you have to respect it because they run their shot calls. Yeah. And uh, as I said, uh, they can pop your head off wherever you are. It doesn't matter. They run all the games. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. They run all the yes, games. It's not, yeah. it's not the, the Lion Kings, the Blood Vignettas, the Dominican. No, it's no, no, no. It's, it's one. It's like it's a group of people, and they run all that. You know, and that's it. You know, these are shot callers, man. You know, so. But uh, as I said, these are people that are chosen, and and, and for you to get this, it means you have to have a, a lot of love and loyalty. You know. So, you know, it's interesting, either. if I can be so vain as to talk about myself for a moment. I had a letter from a Secret Service agent, a letter of recommendation for me. From who? From who? From a Secret Service agent. Oh, uh, my God. Okay. It's a letter of introduction, a letter of reference, saying about me that, <laughs> that people trust me, that criminals right. trust me. They will tell right. me everything, and I'll tell them what not to tell me. If you kill somebody, don't tell me. But they'll tell me right. things they won't tell their lawyer, they won't tell anybody. But they know they can trust me. And uh, it's a whole different area that uh, once they know that you're okay in some sort of weird way, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, you can I introduce me that. to you can introduce me to a, a another criminal, and I'm not a criminal. I'm a true crime author, and right. yet we'll we'll connect. We'll be okay. Yes, and you know what? I agree, and that's why we have such a great relationship because we can speak and you could understand certain things that other authors or other journalists would not be able to understand. You can relate to things. Yeah, there's a certain street. You know a lot. You know you know a little too much. <laughs> you, you, you've been around the block. Well, well, I haven't only been you? around the block. I took the road Former signs criminal. with me. Today, today, as listen, today, what am I today? Today, I'm an artist and a civilian, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not a gang member. I'm not part of any organization. I I don't I don't I don't do crime. That's not what I do. Today, I make and create. I I'm on the radio sometimes, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I write and paint and draw. So I change my life around. Being that I changed my life around at 47 years, I realized all the faults that I've done in my life, and I. Uh, feel embarrassed that I lived a life, you know, but this wasn't the life that I chose to live. And I thank God that I have an author such as yourself that could understand the relationship that I had with my beloved father, right? And how much I wanted to appease him and uh, what lengths I went to, uh, you know, to, to, to be his, to be somebody that he can respect. I love, there is a story, and we don't have time to tell the whole thing, but you've told it before, when you wanted to see a look in your father's eyes, a look that you saw when you were a kid when he talked with the other guys that worked for him about I these different heights, and you I finally saw that look. Yes. 
Yeah. He delivered he him a, a bucket, like a, a, a bucket full of a, uh, watches. Yeah, it was a heist on 14th Street. Remember this? It was one of those $100 million heists. I gave him a whole bucket, one of those uh, garbage, uh, the small garbage bins, yeah. filled with diamond rings. I mean, big diamond rings, you know, like carrot. You know, it was like cocktail rings. But the middle stones are huge, and the price tags are like 20000 30000 40000 50000 And my father, he, I seen his eyes light up. And that was the look I always wanted to see. And I said, get there. And that was his last heist. That was the last time that he was allowed to even be near the damn heist. Do you see? Because he still wanted to work. He still wanted to be around, even in his 70s. Well, he was your age, you know, and he was still doing heists. So there you go. Yeah, yeah you know, amazing. He now he's retired, and he, he uh, very politely offered to have me go fishing with him. <laughs> Absolutely. You are definitely invited to uh, Novi Sad in Serbia, and whoever else would love to come to meet a real Jeep. You know, I mean, there's a couple of guys from New York that, that were in prison with me, uh, such as Kabubi, Casper, uh, he met my dad, and a couple other guys, Money Mike. Uh, he knows my, you know, like a lot of dudes know the stories around my dad. A lot of people met my dad, you know, and, uh, and I also lost a couple of guys too, but, you know, that's what happens. Uh, as I said, you know, you know, I lost some of the best guys with the best stories. I lost these guys. They just died. You know, oh. drug overdose or whatever it is, bad heart. And uh, we lost so many. And, and as I said, like, I don't think that we're chosen to live long lives because we live in abundance in such a short time. And that's why I feel like if I live long, I'm, I'm cheating death or something, you know? And I, yeah, I don't I'm really time. scared. See, I've, I fear, I've got... Oh, you'll feel really good just before you go. I mean, I, I, I've almost been dead several times this uh, past year. I mean, I got to figure they stopped my heart. They put me on those heart-lung machines. You know, they do a little fancy... Uh, well, you had an opportunity, thank God, for that. <laughs> and you know? so here I am, still, you know, not playing yeah. the hits, but still doing radio after all these years. And I'm still here. It's a miracle yeah, of I modern think, science. I think when it's your time, it's your time. That's it. It doesn't matter who wants to kill you or what. Or I think if it's your time to go... It's your time to go. But right? if it's not, nothing's going to stop it. <laughs> no, nothing can stop it. That's all. And, and meanwhile, that you know that we're here, let's have a, let's have the best time ever. Like let's have a better time than yesterday. And let's let's just have a fantastic time. Well, right? You know, people Giving will people have a fantastic what they time want today. To see. That's all. People Giving will have people a fantastic time today want. listening to Magic Matt Allen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> On Outlet Radio with the Demons of Decadence, because he's pretty decadent, you know, for. He is. He, he has that voice. <laughs> he's I'm gotten better. You. He's not as decadent as he used to be. <laughs> I know talent. He's, he's healthier than he used to be. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, if you were healthier than you were before? That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, he's cut back on the booze and the morphine, so... How <laughs> <laughs> the hell do you know? <laughs> I keep track. <laughs> I, I have informants of the booze and morphine in this case. You know the vibes. Thanks a lot, Plus. Right. Great as always. You uh, got it, man. Always. It's always a pleasure to be, uh, you know, an honorary member, you know, of your group. And anytime, I'm always here for you. Thank you so much. All right, buddy. Remember, All right. Talk to right. you later. Get the Vanity Fair. Yeah. This yes. month. Oh, yeah. We'll buy two issues. Hey, Pearl, what's next? Magic Man Adam on the Demons of Dickens Live in the Light of Lounge on AdelRadioLive.com. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow.